Thank you all for investing your time with us today. The most, you know, I don't ever like to say spend time, because if you spend something, it's gone. But if you invest something, it has a return. So I want to thank you all for investing your time with us today. I am affirming a very handsome return for us all, or in the very least, a bowl of soup for those of you who are here in person. And for those of you who are at home, maybe a laugh or two. I feel like Carol Burnett sometimes. I'm so glad we had this time. Anyway, that's a whole different thing. I'm, I'm off book already. Hey, I want to give a shout out and thanks to Reverend Sherry Quander in the back there for presenting an amazing message last Sunday. Powerful message around prayer and around Veterans Day. And I, I have to confess, I did watch. Now, here's the thing about it. So I was visiting family in Indiana, and the Indianapolis Colts, the bane of my father's existence, were playing the New England Patriots in Frankfurt, Germany. So while I did have my phone in one ear listening, we were watching the Colts and using all those words that we don't use at church. Uh, somehow, in spite of their best efforts, the Colts did win, and I did say in spite of their best efforts because it was an ugly game. Some of you may have seen it. Anyway, I'll get back to why I'm here. Any country music fans in the house? Okay, we got a few. Do you remember that wonderful song written by Liz Anderson and performed by her daughter, Lynn Anderson, called Flattery Will Get You Everywhere? Peaked at number 11 in 1969. I know some of you were there. You all don't remember the song? Anyway, it was a good song. Anyway, and it highlights this idea of flattery, you know, an appeal to the vanity of somebody in hopes that they will give you something, you'll get something in return. And we know that that sometimes works. It is a strategy that people use to get something. I'll just pander to the ego and I'll get something back. And, and there have been warnings throughout history of, uh, about doing this because somebody who would pander, allow their ego to be manipulated or maybe have a little ego issue, probably isn't the best source of your good. And in the fourth century before the Common Era, Aristophanes warned about it. In the second century, Cato warned about it. In the first century before the Common Era, even Cicero said, this is not really a good strategy to meet your needs. So you might wanna avoid that. However, um, there are timeless spiritual principles that will allow us to manifest and demonstrate our good. That's what we teach here at Unity. Timeless spiritual principles that are not related to personality, whether your own or that which you call God. And one of those principles is gratitude. So I want to backtrack to the last day of last year, December 31st. How many of you were here for our burning bowl service? Or how many of you have participated in a burning bowl service? Right, that's an occasion where we write a letter to ourselves in which we uh, name that which we would like to be, have, and do in the new year. And as part of that ritual, it's a very highly ritualized service, we write out the things we want to leave behind in the old year on paper, you know, so paper. And then we go outside and burn those as a symbolic releasing. So I got my letter back this week, and I was looking at it, and I thought to myself, okay, I did really well on some things, and not so well on other things. Why is that? Why is that? And I had to ask myself the question, to what extent 
Was gratitude a part of the demonstration of my good or the lack of demonstration? And it was, it was a little bit eye-opening because it highlighted to me those areas in my life that I just take for granted or highlighted to me those areas where I just assume things will happen and I don't have to do anything about it. And it highlighted those areas that were really important to me because that's where I gave my energy to and that's where I had the demonstrations of what I wanted to see and maintain. So a few years ago, a friend of mine sent me a reading that really kind of speaks to this idea of living a gratitude experience. And this is what it says. It's a short reading. If you, and I, oh, and I looked up, tried to find the source, couldn't find the source. I don't know who said this, so if you're listening, I apologize, I couldn't find your name. If you merely wish for more, what you'll get most of is frustration. Yet when you make use of what you do have, what you'll get is real accomplishment. Use what you have. When you complain about your situation in life, what you'll get is a lot of destructive, depressing anger and resentment. When you use your situation as a platform from which to move forward, what you'll get is the life you choose. What you have does not matter nearly as much as what you decide to do with it. Where you are now is trivial compared to the direction in which you are moving. And you can move yourself in a positive, fulfilling direction no matter where you happen to be. You can create the life of your dreams no matter how much or how little you have with which to begin. All the money in the world cannot equal the value of being alive, aware, and able to take action. That's exactly what you have in this very moment, and it's a treasure beyond compare. Take the magnificent opportunity that is this day and point it solidly, decisively, in the direction of your dreams. Before the day is over, you'll already be feeling progress. So in other words, as we often say, where attention goes, energy flows. And that means the things for which we are grateful, our manifestations, our demonstrations, are often things we put in motion ourselves. There was a, an American preacher in the Nazarene tradition, actually, who once said, and this was W.T. Perkheiser, not what we say about our blessings, but how we use them is the true measure of our thanksgiving. Well, obviously, the Thanksgiving holiday is upon us, a big meal of 14,000 calories, followed by another meal of like 8,000 calories, you know, kind of steeps down until we get to the Christmas season. Um, but really, this gratitude idea is central, and all the world's traditions teach the import of being grateful. And I, I love the Thanksgiving holiday because even if one has no faith tradition, it's still one that is inclusive and all the world's traditions gather and celebrate the value of the imports of thanksgiving. And, and it's very reactive. You know, we've received some good or gotten some benefit, and we're grateful for that. But what I want us to look at is what are we doing with all this good? And how did we co-create it 
as well. Because that's the important thing. Understanding that we put gratitude in motion by what we think, what we feel, and what we do. So we want to be real clear about our thought process, the actions that follow our thought process, and most importantly, the reasoning behind the thoughts and the actions. So that this consciousness of gratitude isn't something that's just receptive, it's proactive. And that we can share all the good that we have because we have so much good to share. Charles Fillmore, co-founder of the Unity Movement, said, all metaphysicians have found by experience that being thankful for what they have increases the inflow. Gratitude is a great mind magnet and when it is expressed from the spiritual standpoint, it is powerfully augmented. So a part of this living gratitude experience really speaks to being aware of the things for which we are grateful. That's why in the meditation today, I wanted us to name a few things that are small and yet very powerful that make our lives easier and simpler and richer. Because if we fail to notice the small things, it might be very difficult to notice the big things. And what we're talking about is connecting gratitude with the consciousness of mindfulness. I'm aware of what I'm grateful for. And I want to share that. But did you know, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, especially on such a beautiful day, did you know that there is a shadow side of demonstrating our good? This is one of the reasons why I like to handle our prosperity teachings in Unity and New Thought very gently, because there is a shadow side if we are unaware of it. UNC uh, Chapel Hill professor Dr. Andrea Husong has in, done a lot of research around this, and she has highlighted some unintentional uh, side effects of demonstrating our good. Selfishness. Now you might think, well, that might be, this doesn't seem so obvious because if we spend a lot of time and energy manifesting my good and my relationship, and this is for me, and I did that, what's really wrong with that? Well, the challenge is that it becomes a very egocentric, small-minded, I don't know, that sounds crass, but a very focused on me only. But in this great big world, there's a whole lot more of us. And so I want to share with you some of the thoughts that she has that speak to this idea of living gratitude mindfully. She says, when we are in control and feel acutely aware of our success, which is great, there's nothing wrong with that, please be aware of that, we can overlook how other factors may have contributed to that success. Factors such as other people, meaning how they've supported me in demonstrating my good. Social or racial privilege, where was my starting point as opposed to somebody else's starting point? Luck, hey, it happens, somebody's going to win the lottery. Serendipity, wonderful fortuitous coincidences that come along, say, hey, that was well-timed. And for those who believe, divine intervention. But by doing so, we miss opportunities to understand the world beyond our front door, a world struggling with diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice, 
we rob ourselves of others' powerful perspectives that flex our thinking and enrich our problem-solving capabilities. And we fail to experience the incredible gifts that others offer to us. Whether or not we pay attention each day, gifts are coming to us from all sides all the time. Do we see that? Do we recognize that? Do we notice? Our rigorous individualism may not overly emphasize the I in accomplishment, but also deprive us of the critical social need for connection. And that's where I wanted us to land today. So I had a spiritually challenging experience yesterday. I went to Taco Bell. <laughs> I've loved Taco Bell since I was a kid. I just got to tell you, it's my favorite thing. And, and so we walked in, and, and we're walking over to the, to the counter to place our order, you know, and talk to a human being. Well, there was a big sign before you could get to the human being, and it said, go order at the kiosk. So I'm just like doing my thing at the kiosk, and Anthony did his thing at the kiosk, and then eventually we heard our name called, and, and I went and picked up my food, and I thought to myself, I don't really come to Taco Bell because I'm looking for social interaction, and yet it is something I value, seeing somebody's name, seeing a person in front of me. It's like the self-scan at the grocery store. You know, whenever there's not a line, I will get in the line with a human being to be with a human being for connection. And I love all of this computery stuff that I don't know how to use. It just kind of looks nice in my hand. Um, and I love all of that. And yet, especially after the experience of the pandemic, when so many of our social networks were taken apart, there's that within me that says, I need to be with people. And not even, and I want to be with people, a variety of people, to see their names, to just say hello, to connect. And there have been many times when I've had conversations with people much older than myself who have been getting their Harris Senior Senior discount longer than I have, because I forget it now, who are alone or lonely, wanting contact and community and connection. And it doesn't take a lot. But there are so many people and more people on the planet than ever before and so many of us feel lonely. Why is that? I just wanted a burrito. So there is a call for us to be aware of the fact that our good, whatever it is we are manifesting or demonstrating, wasn't only our work, the product of our work. There's a lot of people involved in that, and a lot of connection, and a lot of rich stories, and a lot of value, and a lot of benefit, and probably a few jobs as well. Social connection. And this, as she says, creates a societal poison. One antidote to this poison is practicing gratitude. Many popular practices of gratitude focus on giving, mixing the idea of what happens to us when we deeply receive something with acts of generosity and volunteerism, civic engagement, and activism. Although these acts may be ways that we pay forward to others the kindness shown to us that engenders the idea of gratitude, 
they may or may not be able to practice gratitude itself. As a six-year-old in the Raising a Grateful Child study at Carolina once said, she said thank you, but she didn't mean it. You think about that. How many times has that been our experiencing? Practicing gratitude may look similar on the outside to these pay-it-forward actions, and there's nothing wrong with that. In other ways, that show appreciation. But unless those practices are motivated by thoughts and feelings that come from with noticing the roles of others in the good that enters our lives, they fall short of gratitude. The trick is to set aside the need to protect our own sense of identity long enough to take in others. You know, I think about this, and I think about this. I'm, I'm, I'm packing today. Who created these things? What is their life like? What kind of conditions do they live in? Do they actually have one of these? All of these things. I can't be completely grateful. I can open this up as a package and say, oh, I'm so grateful this is excited, but my gratitude is only this deep. It's much deeper when I realize there were a lot of people who went involved in this with whom I'm connected. I don't say that to be discouraging, but that tells me I need to be find out where this comes from how these people are living. How can I, in some way, shape, form, truly express gratitude for all these people around the world? And I'm pretty sure the people who produce this don't live the way I do in Reston, Virginia. I hope they live a better way, but I don't think so. So it can be hard, especially now, especially when the good things in our lives sometimes are hard to see, um, although this is pretty easy to see because I have it close to my eyes. Uh, many things that we might usually do to practice gratitude, and everything still applies. And there's a lot of ways to do this, and she posits four steps. And this is the takeaway. This is your homework that I invite you to do this week. Notice, think, feel, and do. Notice what you have in your life or has come into your life no matter how small. This is what we call living a mindfulness meditation practice on a daily basis. Number two, think about why you received the gift. Who played a role in making it possible and why they did so. So if somebody gives you a gift, why did they give you a gift? What was motivating that? Or where did it come from? What's the thought process behind the good that you received? Who was involved in that? Think about that. Feel the positive emotions that come with receiving from others and connecting them to the real gift, which is their kindness, their thoughtfulness, their generosity, or their love. That's what we're really connecting with. And whether that's a raise at work or a performance evaluation or a nice compliment from a neighbor, where does that come from? Feel into the sense of connection with others. And then lastly, do something to express your gratitude. But do your expressing of gratitude after you've thought about it and felt it. And that doing may be a letter of thanks, a, a prayer for of gratitude, a pray of, pay it forward. There's all kinds of ways of showing your gratitude that highlight for you. I have connected deeply and fully with the object of my gratitude. So it's not a perfunctory, oh, thank you. It is a, wow, thank you, 
This matters. I feel this. You can enter these four steps through meditation or journaling or whatever, but there's all kinds of ways to incorporate these four steps of a proactive gratitude practice. So I come back to where I started with. It's not flattery that will get you everywhere. Flattery will get you some places, probably a place you don't want to end up or stay. But gratitude will get you everywhere and allow you to access every good. And that being the case, let's remember the words from the 118th Psalm. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. To which I would say, and then let us go and share this joy with the world, a world that needs it. Be the light. Peace be with you and namaste.